0: Welcome to Geek Freaks, I am Frank and today I'm joined by Kevin Hey And Kyle Hello We have much to discuss today, including Doctor Strange, Avatar Trailer, Strange New Worlds, everything We're going to first start with our playing and watching Kyle, let's start with you, you had a big move recently Have you had a chance to play or watch anything?
1: Yeah, I have actually Uh, I got my PC set up earlier this week And thankfully uh, everything's running great I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring trying to beat nice. that getting really close now uh in the second to last area so i'm looking forward to finishing the fight so to speak and speaking of finishing the fight i started watching halo nice. uh, i've only seen the first episode but i like what i see so far i think uh pablo schrieber this is his name yeah i think he's doing a great job as master chief really enjoying his portrayal of the character and, you know, it was a bit of a weird move to show his face right away, but I kind of get it. It's a TV show. We got to see Master Chief's face. So uh, yeah. other than that, uh, I did watch all of Moon Knight. I binged that completely in one day. Oh, shit! yeah. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. I did that in preparation for Doctor Strange. I know yeah. they're not related to each other, but I get had a great got to watch one
2: Marvel property before yeah. you watch the next one. <laughs> exactly. Totally.
1: Yeah and (laughs) i i really liked it i thought oscar isaac was incredible uh he really made uh steven and mark separate characters that were believable and they really felt like two distinct characters in the same body so i really enjoyed his portrayal of moon knight and ethan hawk was an outstanding villain
2: yes by
0: the way i put out the trivia for that ethan hawk got the job because he's fucking he's he's pedro pascal's neighbor no pedro pascal's not it oscar (laughs) Oscar isaac's neighbor (laughs) and so he's like hey come on over here be my bad guy and that's how i got the job and it was great casting that was so good
1: yeah ethan Uh, hawk has been outstanding lately i watched the trailer for black phone and i'm really excited to see that now
0: yeah yeah he's just so good um i hear me out on this i was telling jonathan the Moon Knight, I think, is the first Marvel property where I actually don't care about the Moon Knight part of it at all. Really? I just yeah. like these two characters, Mark mm-hmm. and um, Steven, talking. I, I, that's my favorite part of the whole thing. What about you?
1: Oh, I agree, hundred percent. Like, I felt like it was more of a human perspective, more so than a yeah. superhero perspective, and it really tackled the idea of like split personalities. I'm not sure what the medical term is for that, all right. but it covered that really well. And I. Just enjoyed all aspects, like even the Egyptian culture. Like I love seeing more of that, and you know, also uh, I really enjoyed the side characters, like Layla. She was really badass. Yes, and yeah, overall, just loved Conchu and the whole eternal god feud, I guess, so to speak, and how they're dictating events in human world. And excited to see more.
0: I was getting some Wamsamdi vibes from Conchu, so I was happy. yeah uh kevin let's go to you man what are you playing what are you watching
2: um i haven't really been playing much of anything lately i the the most recent game i was playing was the messenger once again you know my favorite game from one of my favorite games from 2018 um i got it physically on the switch and that thing is very expensive but i'm very glad to add it to my collection um As far as watching stuff goes, it's basically been the new stuff and we're talking about most of it today. I watched Doctor Strange. I did finish Moon Knight and I agree with everything that you guys were saying. The one thing I wanted to add about Moon Knight was that I did like you, Frank, I didn't care so much about the actual Moon Knight part of it as yeah. much as I did the Mark and Steven story until the end when they were like flipping back and forth when they were in oh, the full yeah. Moon Knight getup, That was awesome. I want to see more of that yes. version of the superhero switching back and forth between like Steven's Moon Knight and Mark's Moon Knight and yeah. then whatever other identities might be hiding still within them. but. I, I I actually really want there to be a second season. I don't know if there is going to be a second season or if it's yeah, going to be a movie or if they're going to, what they're going to do. But.
0: There's a Halloween special coming up uh, with the werewolf. Uh, Moon Knight is in that. So we'll see some of that in the Halloween special that's coming up. Um, I actually saw a cosplay of Steven's Moon Knight at the Slatis Comic Con I was at. Perfect. It was so well done. <laughs> the light up eyes, everything. And that's I'm, awesome. I'm excited for that because it's like, Something about just a clean white suit and, like, his personality. Fucking clean. I was so good. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I
2: I also did finish watching Star Trek Picard Season 2. I won't talk about it because I don't think you're caught up, No, you.
0: No, thank you.
2: It was much better than Season 1 mm. by, yeah. by far. Okay. It was so much better. Like, I actually teared up at a couple of points. No, you're killing me. Like wow. I did with Strange New Worlds, which we're talking about today as well. Yeah. Um, I did tear up toward the... The end of the first episode of that, so yeah, it it, Star Trek is killing it. It's like it's killing it. it, If Discovery didn't exist anymore, I wouldn't be too. I love the actors that are behind and like the production, uh, uh, all that stuff. If if Discovery didn't exist anymore, if it was like past its time, I'd be okay with it as long as we kept getting more lower decks, maybe more Picard, which I know we're getting season three, Um, and Strange New Worlds can carry the Star Trek franchise. that that, that's going to be
0: saying that folks
2: dude it's going to be the star trek for star trek fans outside of lower decks it's great it's that good
0: it is i think it's the star trek series really it just really is it's the other ones weren't i mean not to be this kind of fan we're not real star treks this one is
2: the crazy thing is, is that everybody was saying, myself included, that the Orville is the new Star Trek show yeah. when Discovery was going on. This show, Strange New Worlds, reminds me of the Orville, yeah, okay. just with less. <laughs> the, the, the jokes are a crazy. little, you know, not as crass as they right. are in the Orville, but not Seth MacFarlane level jokes. You know, they're it, it's Star Trek humor. It's it's good. So yeah. I love it.
0: Uh, as for me, the only thing I'm adding to my watching that's new it is this Pen15, which Squeaks has suggested on this show a couple times. Oh, I finally sat yes. down and watched it. Very unique show. It was very interesting. It started off where you're thinking, like, oh, it's a comedy. But then when they get into, like, struggles at that age where it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, there's so many things. Like, I had friends that were dealing with divorce and stuff like that. And all kinds of identity and depression. All those things start kicking up. And you're like, holy cow. I, this was a comedy a bit ago. <laughs> and now I'm so emotionally invested in these characters. And you forget that it's two 35-year-old women playing 13-year-olds alongside of the 13-year-olds. You forget about that so fast because they're doing such a good job with the acting. So, Pen15, it's a Hulu original. Totally worth a watch, guys. Really, really good. Uh, as for network news, we have a new Geek Freaks interview coming out this week. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear. We got a brand new Trek Freaks. Uh, the, the boys are back together for Trek Freaks. We got a round three and we got a Pushing Buttons. I'm excited for a new Pushing Buttons as well. It's good, good week for Geek Freaks. Uh, Sloop Season 2 is coming June 4th. You guys have known we're taking a bit of a break on Sloop. We're just calling it Season 1 now, and we're going to start Season 2 June 4th. So uh, any suggestions for that, let me know, but it'll be great to be back to Sloop. I know we've been missing those ones quite a bit.
1: I, I thought we were going to be covering uh, Batman for Sloop Season 2.
0: That's probably the case, yeah. I, I'm not going <laughs> to 100% nail Kevin down to that, that's why I didn't say it. <laughs> we'll see we'll see see. i i personally do want that yes um it'll probably happen there we go see there we go all right so let's go ahead and get underway with our dr strange review uh who wants to give their immediate reaction on this
1: all right so uh dr strange uh let's see crap Multiverse yeah. of Madness. I can't remember the uh, yeah. talk to Strange that...
0: in the Multiverse of Madness.
1: In the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, yeah. that's it. Uh it was directed by Sam Raimi, who of course is the original director for the Spider-Man 2000 yeah. uh trilogy, but also the Evil Dead trilogy. So this is kind of like Marvel's first foray into making a horror film. Yeah. Which was really exciting to see, but for me personally, I felt like it didn't quite meet those expectations of mine, I felt like it was going to be a lot more dark and more sinister. Granted it is a dark movie, but yeah, I was kind of expecting a bit more on the horror scale. It didn't really seem like it was going to be that from the first few moments of the movie, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I felt like both Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen were terrific in this movie. They knocked it out of the park and even, you know, supporting side characters like, uh, Rachel McAdams, she did really well. I loved her uh, character later on in the story. We'll talk about spoilers later. Yeah. But I felt like it was a fun movie. I wouldn't necessarily uh, be in a hurry to rewatch it again because of how uh, dark it is and basically how deep it is, like, in regards to uh, Wanda in particular. Like, it was a very, very interesting turn throughout the movie but anyway i'll let you guys give your thoughts too
0: Well, i want to jump in on on, on a couple things here you're right about the horror thing they actually changed directors early on so there's that but i was pitched on a horror movie i was excited for a horror movie what i think we got was a marvel movie with horror elements yes because the debate has been going on on twitter should have this been rated r what could have been changed for probably the first time ever, I'm like, yeah, I would love to see rated R version of this where we really turn things up. There's a, but I got to say, if you guys are a fan of Sam Raimi, this is your movie. I I mean, strong Sam Raimi vibes the entire time. One of my favorite of his is the quick and the dead. If you guys haven't seen that, please watch it. It's the remake actually, but still, I mean, the same shots, <laughs> the, the close up on somebody's face, the close up on the clock, close up on the other guy's face. <laughs> it's that's all here. Uh, It was it was it's really really good, uh, but middle of the road really MCU movie for me. What do you think, Kevin?
2: Yeah, I I agree. It is middle of the road MCU movie. Um, I do, <laughs> I do, however, completely agree with Kyle about the the acting in the movie. It was phenomenal. You yeah. always expect that from Benedict Cumberbatch at this point. Um, Elizabeth Olsen. I was talking to my wife about this right after we got out of the theater. You can tell her progression from age of Ultron through to multiverse of madness. Just th- the dedication that she has not only to Wanda as a character, but to her craft as yeah. an actor, she is freaking nailing it. Like uh, you could feel the emotion that she was going through in a lot of those scenes. Like that initial conversation with Dr. Strange when they're in the field um, all the way through to the end of the movie. It's, Man, uh, that was my favorite part of the movie was seeing just how good she's gotten as an actor and how well her and Benedict Cumberbatch and I forget the actress's name that plays America Chavez, but
0: I can't remember. Yeah, uh,
2: those those three people and seeing Wong again, uh, just Wong. It it wasn't a great movie. It was a very good movie, in my opinion. It's not top five Marvel movies for me, not top five MCU, but it's definitely in the top Mm ten. So there's that.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate the new takes. You know what? I got to say, I think one thing that kind of leans in on Elizabeth Olsen's acting getting better is she is at this point just fully dropped the accent. It's not there anymore. Yes. I think that helped because it was almost cartoonish in Ultron. And now we're yeah. like, okay, I got it. You, you know, there's no real reason why it's not there except for like, oh, well, but not you know, in the sitcom, she was mimicking. They weren't there. That's that kind of excuse. I think at this point, they're just trying to like, okay, we get it. <laughs> She's an American now, whatever. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think seeing her character development from Age of Ultron up through Avengers and WandaVision up to now, like seeing that completion of her arc, I think that was the most uh captivating part of the movie. Yeah. Easily. I think she even outshone Bandit Cumberbatch at times. Like I think it was more a movie about her than it was about Doctor Strange. Well, let's get
2: into the spoilers then if you guys don't mind let's break them open warning guys spoiler warning because i think that while her acting was phenomenal they really didn't do the character of the scarlet okay they did scarlet witch great they didn't do the wanda character that they were building justice um throughout the entirety of wandavision you get to see her progression and why she's dealing with what well, she's going through the five stages of grief throughout right. WandaVision. And it, that's all about her being able to deal with uh, coping with losing vision and then everything that follows that this is more of just I don't care if I get my kids back. I want her kids that look like my, it, it it just seemed petty like she didn't the character motivations were a bit off to me. And that's what I didn't like about the movie as much is that I knew she was going to be the villain. We all talked about how she was going to be the villain of the of the movie. I I didn't expect the heel turn to take place like within the first five minutes of the film, but it was I I think her motivations could have just been tweaked a bit to where uh, it left off with WandaVision because that was just so beautifully done. And that was where her character progression was great. I just don't think they did it justice in this movie.
0: I think a lot of that will reveal itself later on when they reveal more about Cthulhu, the guy who gave her her powers.
2: Um, and the Darkhold, how it had the, how it had influence over her. Yeah. yeah. But the, in, in this movie particularly, it just didn't it just explain didn't that. It just yeah. felt off.
0: It, it felt, yeah. So, every, so all of that kind of felt weak. And I think you're 100% right. I think they're kind of setting up something for the future. That we just will not have answers for a while, you know. So we don't we don't know when she's gonna get a standalone or when she's coming back. But it's it's gonna be like good freaking four or five years before we know uh, why were you so desperate for your kids. And really, that was just like the tip of the iceberg compared to underneath where there's like this thing like you know unite the multiverse was the real threat that she was actually working on. Um, And this movie could not explain that it just didn't have the time. Uh this actually what's funny as much as I feel like uh you know like Moon Knight would have been a better movie than a TV show I think this might have been better TV show than a movie because if we could have really delved into the multiverses more and I think that's kind of one of the highlights of this is that Illuminati world 838 and stuff like that I think that would have been better on a show itself
1: I can see that I think uh what dr strange's biggest weakness was was that it took dr strange's character it didn't really give him much development at all i felt like there was like a throwaway line about his sister dying to prove the other universe dr strange that you know he was authentic but it didn't really feel or hit the same way as seeing wanda's pain and what her anger transformed into and i think that's the biggest disservice this movie did was calling yeah. this movie Doctor Strange. I felt like if they had called it Scarlet Witch instead, it would be a much better movie.
0: Yeah, maybe just, uh, which we may see this because this is how comic books work sometimes. This could have been just the Multiverse of Madness event and just didn't have to be focused on one particular character. Um, but yeah, I think the key with this Doctor Strange wise is it kind of it's like a Rick and Morty thing too. Rick and Morty thing. Where this is the most Doctor Strange version of Doctor Strange, this that that's the key because we're, this is the start of the Secret War saga, so we're gonna have a lot of different versions of everybody, but we have to show that if, just for the sake of the mainstream audience that six one six Marvel is the best version of Marvel, and so we're starting with Doctor Strange, who's likely gonna be like the the Tony Stark going forward, right? Um, that this is the version of Doctor Strange that we could trust in the other ones have betrayed America uh, Chavez. So this is, I think that was the point of this. It's hard to tell you what the point of this is really at the end of the day, except for seeing that Illuminati was freaking cool, you know, but yeah, that's, that's the hard part.
2: That was uh, what I was going to get to next was the, the actual character of Dr. Strange, how the, the first movie was him dealing with his ego and getting over himself essentially. Yeah. Um. I, it was a bit of a throwaway line about the sister. I agree. It was meant to be, like, this is why he has the ego, why he needs to have the knife in his hand, as uh, I forget Rachel McAdams' character's Where's name. go, Rachel McAdams. Christine, Christine. <laughs> oh, there we go. Christine. Uh, <laughs> it was what Christine said, something about how he always has to be in control. He always has to have the knife in his hand. And that's kind of what that was supposed to be talking about, was why he has to feel like he's in control all the time. It was misused. But, uh, yeah, it, the, I think the entire point of this... Was to introduce the multiverse, because this was supposed to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home, but yeah. uh, it got delayed so many times and Sony had to put out the Spider-Man movie. So that's why we got him in this order. It was to introduce the multiverse and to show, as you said, Frank, that Doctor Strange 616 is the the good version, like the best version, yeah. essentially, of Stephen Strange, that he's the one that America chavez <laughs> i guess both the person and the country and the america country, yeah. can trust uh, <laughs> and hopefully that the universe this that that mcu universe can trust and he'd be the best one out of all the multiverse yeah. god that's so <laughs> i don't even know how to explain what i'm Get trying ready, to say got but... a
0: whole marvel phase of it
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that's gonna be fun yeah that's I, i'm i'm really looking forward to the next movie is what i'm gonna say and mm-hmm. so where when it, it it leading up to secret wars and the the multiversal War with Kang, the Conqueror and all the other villains and heroes that come with that. And let's talk about. Professor Xavier, I really like out of all I'm a Star Trek fan. I don't know if you guys know this about me. Uh, What? Um, Out of all all the cameos, I cannot (laughs) believe that they actually announced him and like didn't announce him, but they had his voice in a freaking trailer for the movie. My mind would have been blown. At that reveal, because it seemed like after they revealed all the other uh characters on the Illuminati that there was nobody else. And then you just see you hear Patrick Stewart's iconic voice yeah. and you see the the chair and then the the way that they introduced him with the music playing from the, the 90s cartoon. cartoon, oh, cartoon so amazing. It's good. even
0: accredited as 97 X-Men theme at the end of Doctor Strange. Oh, it's that exact so song. good.
2: It's so good. Do you guys have any takeaways from the uh, from the rest of the cameos? Yes, I, mean, uh, I love <laughs> yeah. personally seeing John Krasinski
1: yeah. as Reed Richards. That was, Richards. That that was freaking awesome, and I loved his character. Like he portrayed Reed Richards so well. Like he brought yeah. that nurturing warmth, but sternness at the same time. When he was confronting Wanda, and let's just say that right now, like that was insane. That whole. <laughs> You know, we're going to talk about Anson Mount later, but seeing yeah. him as Black Bolt was like, whoa, I didn't even recognize him. And <laughs> the way yeah, I had that to look occurred. up who played him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. But yeah, right. it was amazing.
0: Yeah. I got I got to step in here. Okay? I already warned Twitter. I was going to do this. Anson Mount is wasted on Black Bolt. You're going to have somebody <laughs> with that cowboy voice. Captain Pike, you're going to waste on a character who can't talk. Are you killing me? What are you? Are you you're killing me? You're kidding me. I, I just can't <laughs> believe it. Like it blows my mind. Black Bolt's a great character, but in interviews with Screen Rants, it's about mentioned that ca- the only character he wants to play more than Black Bolt is Gambit. Well, that's the perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Show him as Gambit. This guy who's a, who's in a thieves guild, uh, a gambler from Cajun country. I want an entire movie about that. Please, Marvel, listen to me. Um, he's wasted on this, and. You know, we saw him in Inhumans, he was in the very short-lived Inhuman series as Black Bolt as well, Uh, so I think this is a good way of just kind of like, hey yeah, remember this, let's kill the character off, I I know that that might not be the exact same Black Bolt, but for the sake of my sanity, let's just say it is, and let's kill off Black Bolt completely, and then we find out that on he's he ants him out as actually Gambit, that would be wonderful, I'd love that, yeah. Um, and then I, you know, back to Professor X just for a moment, the fact that he's the only one that like slowed down Scarlet Witch is like, yes, yes, he is the only one that did that. Um, you know, comic book wise, Scarlet Witch is actually the daughter of Magneto. There's all that whole thing. So the possibility that he might know Wanda from another world or something, like, it's just, I'm just so happy we have some Professor X in the MCU right now and, um, I can't wait for more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was I'm just, really just good. afraid
2: that they're going to, they're going to make the X-Men just exclusive to other universes. And when they're done with the multiverse stuff, there are going to be no more mutants. I'm really hoping they don't do that. I'm hoping that they have a way to actually say, Oh yeah, the mutants have been here in Six One Six all along. Right. And they just haven't shown themselves mm-hmm. something like that. I hope.
0: Um, me and John talked about this last night. And I-, I think it's real important that Marvel realizes how freaking lucky they are. So when Marvel started their adventure of the MCU, they had already sold the rights to X Men, Spider Man, and everybody else that was famous. <laughs> you know, all they had was Captain America, a, a very dorky-looking hero, Thor, which was barely their license because it's actually a mythological char- mythological character, and Iron Man, somebody nobody gave a shit about. <laughs> so they were really starting with like the 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 B team. Fame wise, comic wise, we can yeah, we call them the A minus team. The A minus team, thank you. <laughs> but but they were the Avengers, sure. But I mean, talking about mainstream appeal, they weren't very big, and so the fact that they were able to launch the MCU with those characters, and you know now we're you know t- whatever twenty years into this or whatever it is, um, now that they're able to bring in, so it's hard. Okay, so so at this point, normally in a franchise is big, you would be like, oh man, they're going over to the deepest benches. They're gonna find the randomest ass characters and make movies about. It's gonna feel bloated and, and a waste of time. But by luck almost, Disney and Marvel are going to be like, okay, now, now that we're out there multiverse and all these crazy things, we're gonna be able to ground things with the second most popular franchise in Marvel with X-Men. That is, and and then you have the first family. You have the first superhero team with the Fantastic Four. It's so crazy that after the MCU's been around on this long. They're gonna be able to ground things with like the second and probably like the fourth or fifth most popular properties of all of Marvel. It's very lucky they didn't have the rights to these characters up to this point. Actually, I I mean I can't see Marvel stopping now. They just gotta not mess up X Men. Is the main thing. Indeed. All right. Any last things before uh, before Doctor Strange before we leave
2: Doctor Strange? No, I it was a it was a good movie. Not as good as I was hoping for, but. It was good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Okay, go to the Avatar trailer. We got Avatar: The Way of the Water. Uh, just came out. This is a movie 14 years in the making. Uh, we're finally here, uh, Kyle. What did you think of this trailer, man?
1: Uh, let's just say I was uh, taken by surprise that it came out. Yeah. <laughs> it's been what over 10 years since the first Avatar movie, and you know it's still the reigning all-time most successful box office movie for a good reason. And this trailer just blew me away. Like, seeing that before Doctor Strange even in the theater was incredible. And I know James Cameron's going to knock it out of the park. Just from what we saw in the visuals, like, it's stunning to take that in. It's just incredible to behold.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the CGI, you forget how good he is at this. I, I myself have been talking shit about Avatar because it was like, Dude, how dare you make so many movies at once without releasing anything? It kind of felt arrogant to me. at James Cameron, I'm sorry. Well, what I've seen, I watch a lot of interviews. He gives arrogant vibes off. So I kind of, you know, I'm already that way. And, I, but I gotta admit, I mean, my God, this thing's gorgeous. The CGI is gorgeous. The water animation, the water animation, gorgeous. Um, and I was told this was a prequel clearly this is a sequel it's actually about 10 years after uh, the events of avatar one so we're gonna actually see his kids we're gonna see all this this how pandora has changed i am actually excited about avatar did not think that was gonna happen but i am <laughs> excited about it yeah
2: i wish i could be excited for it i did not like the first movie it was yeah. visually great that was it i didn't care about the characters i didn't care about the story i i think i said this a couple of weeks ago in geek freaks i I've been told that story a dozen times over. It's the same like story premise that we've been told throughout all of our childhood with Disney movies. And I just didn't need to be told that same story again. The acting was good, but having Sigourney Weaver in the movie was the saving grace for it, I think. But um, I just I I don't see what everybody else sees in the movie. I really don't. I don't care about the sequel either or any of the other 17,000 sequels that he announced five years ago. I just I don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully it's good. But you're right; it's it's the dancing with wolves. It's you know, um, and we've seen that story so many times. Uh, I'm hoping this one leans more on conserve, you know, conserving nature or family, um, you know, because right now the pinnacle family movies are all <laughs> Fast and Furious. So I wouldn't mind a new franchise that embraces family. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, it gets better.
1: Quick question for you, Kevin. What's up? So you mentioned like this has been done so many times before. So what would you say is your favorite IP or property or film that explores these themes?
2: The most memorable from my childhood was Fern Gully in the Last Rainforest. Thank you. (laughs) That's what I was hoping for. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and yes. it's the one that people bring up the most, and it's the one that I think is the most pertinent to my childhood, and that's probably why I don't like Avatar as much because I watched Fern Gully a lot as a kid. It was one of the VHSs that my mom always collected the Disney VHS tapes, so I had them all as a kid, and I watched it a million times. And I was like, "This is just that movie, just with prettier effects." So
1: that's basically Avatar. I, yeah,
2: I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very biased. It's, to me, it's the Elden Ring of movies, like. I don't care about Elden Ring. I know it's super popular. It's one of the most popular games currently. I just don't understand it myself. It's not for me is what I'm getting at. Yeah. We but all appreciate your unique it, tastes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Fern yeah. <laughs> um, goalie, man, the, Tim Curry as the bad guy is A smoke smog monster. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> that was amazing. Son of a bitch. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get into strange new worlds. Uh, we are now two episodes in on the series. We talked about it at, at, uh, last, uh, Trek freaks live. So check that out guys. Uh, the, the premiere, but this time, Ka- our Kevin, why don't you take away with us? Go start this off.
2: Star Trek, strange new worlds. I'm going to say this again. If you didn't know I'm a star Trek fan, uh, I am. <laughs> it, oh my God. It is <sighs> while watching the original series, John and I are always talking about on Trek freaks, uh, that, oh, man, this wouldn't really fly today. Uh, I get what they were trying to go for, but they, you know, it's been 50 years, since, 60 years nearly since the original series. This is what the original series would be if it was done today. This yeah. is a re- not a replacement, but it's a reprise, essentially, of the original series. All the characters are so well fleshed out. They had more story for. Have you seen the second episode yet, Frank? Yes, I have they had more story for uhura in episode two of strange new worlds than throughout the entire three seasons of the original (laughs) series put together uh just the the fact that they're trying to build a cast of characters that people can relate to of all different walks of life that's what star trek aims to do and they've always done that and it's been getting progressively toward where it is now throughout the years but this is that on top of the freaking stunning visuals and that opening credit scene oh. with Anson Mount, Captain Pike doing the space, the final frontier I intro. Know. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah,
0: know, it's right? so good. So that, that intro is one of those things. It's was like, I'm never skipping this. It's like the game of Thrones it, one. I'm like, it will always be seen yeah. by me.
2: Yeah. I was doing the same thing with Picard. I like to, I, every time I wa- rewatch um, a deep space nine, I always skip the intro mm-hmm. Voyager. I do about half the time picard this season i stopped doing that and then uh strange new worlds i'm never skipping that and uh, yeah it's 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 just so good all around i love the episodic feel to it how they have a new story to tell every episode which is what i was looking forward to most about this show it's bringing it back to the classic tos tng era star trek of the the alien of the week essentially or the, the story of the week yeah um the fact that they, in episode two, had so much of Uhura's musical background as part of the, the, the like the story, yeah. not just the storytelling, but the way that they solved the problem yeah. of the story, because she's so musical in the, the original series. That was one of the first things I brought up. And I think episode one of Trek Freaks yeah. was her singing. It's just, oh, it's, it's just so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good.
0: And, and it brings, I mean, it ties in music with her lingual, uh, linguistic skills too. Yeah. It was just like, that's cool. That's a, and then I will say the pacing is exactly Star Trek where we're learning about, oh, there's a comet hitting a planet. So the first thing you're thinking of is like, all right, Prime Directive, they probably shouldn't screw with this, but they could probably pull it out, you know. So you're thinking that. So they launched these little rockets at it and then also the force field kicks in. You're like, Star Trek, you know, <laughs> what is this? What's going on? Something else is a third element that we didn't know about. Star Trek time. And it goes right into the intro, which is like. Perfect, 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 a hundred percent. Oh yeah. man. Uh, but Kyle is new to the world, guys. He's a brand new Star Trek viewer. What are your thoughts on these first two episodes?
1: Uh well Kevin pretty much said everything I was gonna say. First of all. Really? Okay. Yes. Like I agree a hundred percent with everything. Like the fact that you know the title sequence was so immersive with Anson Mount's voiceover. You know, the character development, like seeing uh, the intimacy of Spock and his soon-to-be wife and how that re- you know, ties in with the Vulcan culture. that was really interesting as a new fan. And also just seeing the episodic feel that's what I love most about science fiction, is yeah. taking those concepts and ideas, experiences, opinions and translating that over into a science fiction universe. And, you know, how each of the characters, you know, are responding to that situation and what they're using in their background and their scientific careers, I guess. And also the fact that there's character development beyond that, too, as we saw with Uhura in the second episode. Like, I had no idea any of that about her character, but I was still pulled in as a new viewer. Like, I got... I felt like I... Came to know the characters really personally and felt invested in them. So seeing her on her first away mission, that was really exciting to see. Like and how she responded to that situation. And also what I loved most about Anson Mountain as the captain as Pike is I actually watched the original pilot for the original series long time ago. Okay. And I felt like he did such a tremendous job in pulling that character out from You know, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of here? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Pretty much out of complete ignominy, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, nobody knew anything
1: about him because he was just a one-off. Yeah. And he fully fleshed out that character, like, at the beginning of the entire first episode. Like, also seeing Anson Mount with this glorious beard and hair again. That was great, like from Hell on
2: Wheels. Like I, I love, love Hell on, on Wheels. Wheels, amazing so show, much, dude. Oh, me too. Yeah, I was just telling yeah. John.
0: I was like, I need to rewatch that show. I freaking <laughs> love it.
2: <laughs> I think my my personal favorite thing about Anson Mount as Captain Pike in this series is how the it retroactively makes me respect Discovery a little bit more because he takes what he learned in season two. I think he was the captain in season two of Discovery. Yeah. It, takes his lessons from that and brings it forward even though he knows what his future is based on his experiences with uh, the time crystal on boreth as they keep talking about you don't have to watch discovery to know what what uh captain pike went through while he was the captain of discovery the temporary captain of discovery so it's he pl- he plays that very well while still taking what as kyle said the original version of captain pike the kind of more warm and more like I don't know if I'm up for watching people die kind of guy because that's how Captain Pike was in the original the cage episode the original pilot of Star Trek he started off by drinking with the doctor saying I don't think I can do this because I don't like sending people to their death and how he kind of carries that over while still having just the he's more he's a mix of that with Picard I think like he's the perfect blend of father figure as well as commanding officer that you expect from star Trek after the original series. You don't see that much in Kirk. You don't see that much, even in Janeway or Cisco. Really? Mm. That was more of like a captain Archer from enterprise. And then now, uh, Michael Burnham. But I, I think he t- I just love how they progressed through the discovery arc and still made that part of the core of that character. And what he went through is, it's just so good. Anson
0: Mount is the lightning rod for this series. Uh, I got a full man crush on him. I tell you, I'm all about him. <laughs> and there's this thing where he's capturing, I mean, the pinnacle of who we should want to be. He's got like this manly aura where he's all, hes a cowboy in space. And yet he's like super like progressive in his thought process. And what am I... F- Favorite, the, the moment I was like, what a fucking cool person, just a cool person was when, you know, the, the two are nervous about going to this party. They open up and he's got the apron on because he's cooking. He's welcoming his guests. He's got the fireplace behind him. And I'm just like, this guy's like 70s badass party host. Right here is Captain form. I, 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 It's been two episodes, and I'm already like, you know, all of us geeks rank the captains. He's pushing. He's pushing up there already. That's yeah. only been two episodes. Yep. So, I, I'm such a big fan of his, uh, from other, Hell on Wheels especially, so good. Um, and, and hopefully Future Gambit. Uh, but yeah, I, I, he, is, he is the lightning rod for this thing that just keeps it so centered. His, so... The perfect example of the captain I want, there's an adventure going on on the asteroid and they're trying to figure that out. And then there's the dealing with the alien above, which he's dealing with. But there's that moment where he's just like, almost frustrated that he doesn't have anything to contribute. So he's like, find a way to get through that goddamn force field, basically. And he's like telling people like, I don't care what it takes, find a way to make it happen. Like, that forcefulness of just like, I'm frustrated, give me some control in the situation. That's what I want because and it's not because he's a control freak it's because he loves the people that are on that asteroid and he just wants to see them come home safe and uh, other captains have shown that but that compassion for his crew it, it, it feels like it might just be his you know I, I just really am a fan of it it's really cool
2: it's it's almost a debilitating level of empathy I think like yes be, because that's why he he's so certain of his future when he ends up dying or getting mostly killed in that explosion is that he keeps talking about the people that he saved. And even as that second episode ends, he's looking at the records of these at the time children of the people that he has seen himself in the future saving. So I I think that that's going to be a huge story arc for him as a character. Um, They probably won't hit it until they do. You know they have the uhura episode they're gonna have the ortega episode they're gonna have the the noonian singh episode which i really cannot wait for that one yes <laughs> that's gonna be uh oh uh, i i forget her first name uh, uh it's it's okay her being like a descendant of khan essentially yeah. is gonna be oh. a huge story i i it's gonna be uh, that should be the first part or strange new worlds in my totally opinion agree. Uh, the only thing I want to end up uh, end this off with, I know we've been talking about this for a while and I apologize, but the part that I did tear up at was toward the end of the first episode when he's just like, screw it, I'm going to beam down to this planet. As they're de- as the people on both ends of that planet are de- uh, deliberating what they should do with the new information that they have, that there is a wider universe out there. He's just like, boom, just appears. He's like, we've done this before on our planet, yeah. and this is what it looked like. And it just shows everything from the last few years going forward in the Star Trek timeline and how it turns out. And you can do that if you really want, or we've learned there's this way you can do it. And that's what the core of Star Trek is, is trying to help people come together, see their differences, appreciate their differences and come together as a community of people. And that's what, that's what this show is going to do at its core, which is what I appreciate the most about it.
0: Well said. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next topic then, because I could talk about Star Trek. <laughs> I'll take. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go right into. Uh, Nintendo says that going forward, they're gonna be focusing on trying to retain their player base. So, couple things to note here. Nintendo. They keep saying, "Oh, the Switch is gonna be here for another five years. We're not worried about the next generation of gaming," and yet they're now saying our focus is on keeping our player base. So that means that they're starting to think about how they're gonna do this. Now, for context. When the, the Wii was a big hit, it came out of the Wii U, it was a flop. DS, huge hit. DS, 3DS, which I owned one, still a huge flop. So they're trying to find a way to not repeat history. How is this going to be done by Nintendo? How are they going to do this? Kyle, what do you think, man?
1: Well, first of all, they need to stop pissing off their fans with every decision they make. That would probably be the most <laughs> crucial thing they can do. <laughs> they won't stop that. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> when it comes to curating their content or their games. When it comes to managing their communities for like esports or just in general, like you know, making the same old tired games that we played dozens of times over. A good example of that is the Mario and Pokemon games. Yeah, it's like we need some innovation here in all aspects. And now we're getting reports of Nintendo of America having uh, disparage disparaging remarks made about them and their work culture yeah we're getting that now and yeah something's definitely wrong over there at nintendo hopefully not to the extent of like blizzard entertainment right but yeah we're gonna hopefully
2: see them make a huge turn hopefully in the next year or so well uh, in their defense money talks you know um I really wish they'd iterate more with uh, their core franchises, especially Pokemon, like we've talked about before. Uh, but they, th- those games sell. They, they sell. They don't have to lower the price. They don't have to go on sale. They come out at 60 bucks at the end of the console cycle. They're 60 bucks. Yeah. Uh, Breath of the Wild will be $60 until the new v- Switch U V Ultra <laughs> Light I XL Mini comes out. Please don't do that, Nintendo. Yeah, seriously. Um, We got enough. Yeah. (laughs) Naming conventions would be the best thing because switch such an easy thing to say. Wii such an easy thing to say. GameCube. You can look at it, know exactly what it is. The ones that don't do so well, the Wii U, that was a very confusing thing. When they started iterating on the DS, they had the DS Lite, the DSi, the 3DS, the 2DS, the 2DS, the new 2DS, the new 3DS, the new 3DS XL. And it's just they they keep iterating improperly, I think. they should iterate and they should learn from their mistakes and whatever's going on at nintendo of america this is the first time hearing about it but i'm not surprised because it's a game development company in in the united states so it's going to happen that way and it needs to stop but their their core franchises are going to be they're the ones that sell the systems and i wish they would focus a little bit more on that and i love the fact one of nintendo's best things that they've done recently is opening up some of their ips for other game developers to come in and make games based on you got cadence of high rule made by the, the brace yourself games who did Crypto the Necrodancer. I'm not so into the Nintendo Ubisoft partnership, but Mario and Rabbids Kingdom battle was a very fun game for an XCOM Mario Rabbids <laughs> hybrid game. I didn't expect that at all and it was it was a lot of fun. I hate hate Ubisoft, um <laughs> but it it was a fun game and I'm actually looking forward to the sequel on that. They need to do more stuff like that. Kind of branch out their uh, their mainline franchises kind of do the Star Wars thing from back in the day before yeah. EA had the license of Star Wars just branch it out make them make them bigger make like a multiverse if you will of Mario games that aren't just sports games and racing games and party games do do stupid crazy stuff like the Rabbids XCOM style game Uh, do uh, do new stuff with Zelda where it's a rhythm based dungeon crawler it's just do more of that I think
0: yeah, uh, kind of like what we're seeing with Sonic. Sonic's doing that, you know, and it's working well. Um, and by the way, uh, the other side effect of doing that is that you kind of bring Mario back down to a price point that people can enter into. Because the idea that you have to have 60 bucks at any point in the console cycle to buy a Mario game sucks. Uh, and then, yeah, once what's even crazier than this, folks, once it's out of the console cycle, it's $10 cheaper. That's it. It's not like it's crazy cheaper either. So... Yeah, just make it more affordable for everybody to play a Mario game, and uh, also I'm tired of the Olympic games. Just make it like a fun whatever racing game or something like that. There's a Mario in there introduces your characters. That's just a side thing. Um, as for retaining the player base, some of the things that they've brought up was making sure to focus on your Switch account, backwards compatibility, things that we've all wanted. I, you know, backwards compatibility for me is a real big plus. Matter of fact, Kirby 64 uh, is now on the on the Switch emulator. I'm a big fan of that game. I will be playing it. More of that is smart. Um, N- Nintendo's always thrived with nostalgia, and they're leaning in on it. makes sense. And then with the account thing, yeah, we're seeing it with Steam. Steam's a, Steam is a system who Valve is so freaking rich, and it's not because they made any, you know, new Team Fortress stuff. No, it's because that freaking Steam account problem, and everybody's on board with it. If Nintendo can lock that down and make it to where the game I bought on switch is still playable on switch two, then you got me. I mean, I'm there. And so, I mean, I actually, unfortunately, Kevin's out there hunting down the hard copies of things are less backwards compatible than the soft copy. But, um, actually we're talking about that. on pushing buttons later on too. on actually. So yep. that's a whole other thing there. Uh, I, I, in a way I want a tender to branch out more. And another way I know that's how they could compete against the others. Because if they do branch out too much, then all of a sudden you get the attention of the two demigods of PlayStation and Xbox. And you don't want to get their, you don't want to get on their bad side. You won't compete against them, I think. Um uh, on in a head to head battle. So yeah, I don't it's a tough one to really I, I I think Nintendo has to keep doing what they're doing. The whole US thing, it, it's a shame on that because Nintendo seemed always above it. And they hear that they're falling the wayside of so many other companies. It's a a, a tarnishment on such a pure company originally. So that's a shame. But I mean, their
1: success is translating over really well by playing it safe. I mean, we just got, you know, sales numbers for the Switch. And it's already overcome the PS4 and lifetime sales in the US. That's crazy. Now the fourth (laughs) best-selling console. And uh, it's got a lot of work to do to catch up to the Wii, the 360, the PS2. But the fact that it's already at that point in, I think, what, five years? Yeah. Maybe six almost in its the whole time being out. I can see this going much further.
2: Well, the thing that Nintendo is doing best with the Switch, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a couple of days on uh, pushing buttons this on Wednesday, but the The thing that they do best is the the switch is such a good system. It's a very versatile system. You can have it as a handheld. You can have it docked at your TV and plug and play. it's It's a really easy and versatile system. What I think they really should take advantage of is the nostalgia of people our age, yeah. people with some disposable income of some kind, that want to play their old GameCube and Wii Collection and make a dock that takes discs that will play those physical games that so we don't have to rebuy them again but you know if there's the opportunity for them to resell something they're going to resell something that's just how money works but it they could sell so much hardware if they actually have the the hardware accessible and you know shippable i don't know how the supply chains are going right now with that kind of stuff but make a gamecube dock like make it look like a gamecube but it's a switch dock and it'll actually take switch uh, gamecube discs (laughs) And plug in GameCube controllers. And the controllers, yeah,
0: you would resell. Rese- oh man, you you just did a hypothetical there, and I already want to buy it. That was right. That's <laughs> yeah. such a. Co- I, they make an N sixty four version of that. <laughs> 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 Take my money. <laughs> that's so so much.
2: Kyle can <laughs> attest to how hard it is to come across a a, a GameCube at a reasonable price yeah. right now. It's It's Indeed. it's hard. Like there's. I'm kind of into the the retro reseller market right now. Yeah. I've been looking at prices and stuff and GameCubes are at a premium, not just the the hardware, but the the discs, the games are freaking incredibly outrageously overpriced right now. It's insane. <clears throat> if you have an old GameCube collection, you're looking to make some money. You should get on some you know eBay and, you know, yeah. and make a little bit of that. And then you can make your own GameCube switch dock and sell it to people. Yeah. I don't know.
0: <laughs> you know I, I was just hanging out with Tyler from the round three podcast this week. And um, what he's been doing lately is kind of a side hobby and side gig, really. Is he's going to thrift stores and yard sales, That's, buying retro too. games you too. And he's going yep. to he has like a, like three retro video game sellers that he goes to and he just sells them at wholesale, basically, and then they sell it. So you do the same I'm thing. Becoming one.
2: Of, I know. I'm becoming one of You're those resellers. One of them? I. Uh. I have an eBay store and I'm going to start selling on Amazon too. Yeah. Like this shelf over here behind me is stuff that I'm, you can't really see it, but the the small shelf is stuff that I'm going to be packaging up and selling. So there we go. Like I've already started on this (laughs) myself. So, Oh, he's, he's my new business partner. Oh man.
0: (laughs) I'm not even joking. When this happens, let's do a podcast about it. Cause you know, I'm going to make
2: content. (laughs) I've got the YouTube channel already started too. So it's coming. It's coming.
0: (laughs) I can't wait to check this out. That's cool. Yeah. um, As for Nintendo, uh, you know, I think listen to the fans is the main thing. We can't suggest that enough. Every time we see a video game company do that, it's always for the better. Talk to fucking Blizzard. (laughs) They're well aware of it. When you listen to the fans just a little bit, everybody's more on board. Everybody buys your product. It's always, I've never seen it go wrong. And yet still, they refuse to listen to fans. It's so irritating. (laughs) Come on, guys yeah all right any last things you guys want to mention before we head out for this week uh not really i'm good nope all right we will see you guys next week thank you for joining us reminder pushing buttons trek freaks geek freaks interview and around three coming up this week so check out all our different podcasts the number one thing we need from you guys is to drop reviews not only for this podcast itself but all the new stations it helps us out tremendously can really use them we appreciate it thank you guys very much and we'll see you guys next week Bye. thank you for joining us on the geek freaks podcast you can find us on twitter at geek freaks pod we're also on facebook instagram you can email us we have our patreon and a store all those links are in the description thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you guys next week